0: This happened When I bring the lumber The Tim Graham Show I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend Right Not me so honia I did have an accident
1: with a menorah Here one. We go. On Twitter at 1270 the Wet mall Taking your calls at 270-1270 Here we go This is The Tim Graham Show When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh-oh You're gonna need a bigger boat well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham
0: Thanks for joining the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic. Back after a week off, my thanks to Jonah Bronstein for holding down the fort. Yeah, we had some fun. Without me? More fun than we
2: have with you, yes.
0: That's true. I
2: understand. <laughs> Although it was fun talking to you guys on the phone,
0: I will say that. Yeah. The, was the the audio quality was okay? Yeah,
2: it wasn't the best, but it was still fun. It
0: was a good big hit. A social media hit. In the car with me that day was Matthew Fairburn, who is with us again here in studio.
2: You guys go everywhere together.
0: Pretty much, (laughs) we're starting to pal around. We uh, we did spend a lot of time in Spartanburg, South Carolina together. We were never not at each other's side. I think.
3: Well, we stayed uh, in separate rooms. That's yeah.
0: We did stay. We didn't stay in the same room. But there was next alley was there.
3: Not saving the company that much money.
0: (laughs) Matt Beauvais was also with us in the car, driving from Spartanburg to Charlotte for the big game on Friday night, in which the Bills won and looked pretty good. Not that you care about a victory, really, in the preseason, but the Bills looked good on both sides of the football. Uh, First team and second team is really what you care about. And, uh, yeah, that was that. So I decided to bring Matt in studio this week as an encore performance. Matt was in the back seat.
3: Yeah, I didn't get much airtime last week. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear it. I you. figured the audio was bad enough. Imagine me yelling from the back seat. <laughs> yeah, Don't Tim's, think that would have Who well. was Tim, in the front seat?
0: Joe Biscaglia was in the front seat. You could tell. And uh, and Beauvais just giggled a lot. You could tell because you'd say, Tim would be like, Yeah, you know what? Actually, let me ask uh,
4: Joe Biscaglia. And he'd be like, Yeah, well, you know what? We thought uh, Mitch Morris was real. And then it would get real loud and then it would quiet down a little bit.
0: Hey. Eh. Whatever.
4: No, it's good we stuff. We do what though. we can. Good radio,
0: trying to help Joan out. He's filling in, and tried to give him three guests for the price of one, four guests for the price of one. And who? And was And what driving? was that price? Free, <laughs> for nothing. Good for nothing. And uh, but anyway, we might have some news on that. Maybe next week, regarding how much we get for that. I'll leave it cryptic right there. Matthew Fairburn of the Athletics here. He covers the Buffalo Bills. He's been at practice every GD day. Is that right? You and Joe Biscaglia both, every day. You've not missed a practice.
3: I have not yet missed a practice.
0: I am not there every day. Uh, I'm, I'm there for a good chunk. I'd say, what, half of them so far? Is that, a, is that right? Yeah, Maybe a little bit. Right less. around there. Yeah, right about half. I mean, it's not my job. I mean, I'm doing other stuff. I might do some hockey stuff. I might do some UB stuff. I might be having. I, I might be having. <laughs> I might be having some stuff off my sleeve. <laughs> By the way, you can watch me be having stuff up my sleeve on Periscope. Jonah Bronstein handles the uh, that, and oh, Bobby Rosati's here, Diddle in the Knobs. Can't uh, can't leave him out. But uh, but anyway, we can get a a full rundown of the latest bills to dos from Matthew Fairburn because he's been there every day. You can trust what he says. He's not just pulling stuff out of his rump. I mean, not Bill's takes anyway. (laughs) What happened today out of practice?
3: Well, they've now shifted into the portion of the season where we cannot watch practice. Therefore, in my mind,
0: training camp is over. Not when you break from Rochester, or Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, St. John Fisher. A lot of people thought training camp's over. I said no. I know it's semantics. It can't semantics. be
3: over if you still go down for joint training camp practices. What are those? Exactly. Joint slap and tickle? I don't think so. Those well, were.
0: There was no full t- It wasn't full contact, so that it was, was a joint slap and tickle, actually. A little bit.
3: <laughs> Saw but, some actual slap and tickle among the quarterbacks playing hot potato after practice ooh. today.
0: Oh, really? Duck, duck, <laughs> goose? Uh, maybe tomorrow.
3: Yeah. But we can't watch anymore. And so... That means
0: training camp's over.
3: Not as much to learn. But Mitch Morse has been out there, full contact-ish, not fully cleared from the concussion protocol, but not wearing a red no-contact jersey. So certainly improvement for him. And seem I mean, it's safe to say he's on track to play week one, but with concussions, you don't really know. But I would say that's probably the biggest development of the last few days, considering we're not really watching things, but he's out there with the first team when they're warming up and doing their thing. And really, isn't that what you're looking for in the preseason is injuries? Guys, you know, either getting healthy or staying healthy, and he's probably the most important guy to get healthy at this point.
5: For
0: sure. He's obviously the anchor of the offensive line. He plays the center position. He's the one who has to help Josh Allen make the different reads on what's going on with defensive fronts, uh, shifting blocking schemes, all that stuff. That's why he was signed to the richest contract in NFL history for a center. And there's a big chemistry component involved there. There's a synergy that needs to develop between the quarterback and the center. And him being in the concussion protocol has not allowed that to happen yet. Is it going to happen like you'd see with other teams in the span of a week and a half? No, it's not going to. So there is going to be some... I think miscommunication here and there. I'm not saying massive. Maybe it's not even significant, but it's not going to be as smooth as the Bills would have liked. What uh, we have heard and things, you know, when we were down in the Carolinas in around the Bills, uh, front office people having conversations with different people who would know, maybe people not with the team, there was a sense or at least a message being delivered that the Bills aren't worried about Mitch
3: Morse. No, I don't think so. I mean,
0: they would like him out there. But in terms of the concussion aspect of it, where we even in the media were like, look out. We even did a show on it, Matt, when he first got the concussion, what, three weeks ago or whatever. Uh, We were in this very studio talking about, hang on, this is this is uh, potentially disastrous. But the bills have been acting as though this is more precaution than necessary.
3: They are acting that way, but I don't know that it totally dampens the long term concern, you know, that we discussed at length. And and I think anytime a guy has four concussions, the risk of the fifth is right around the corner. And I don't think that's gone away. But in terms of this particular concussion, it's not one of those multi month type of deals it never was. And so they're at least encouraged about that. And I also don't think they're overly concerned about the chemistry aspect or this guy knowing the system. I mean, Sean McDermott kind of laughed today when he was asked if Mitch Morse, you know, was one of those guys that didn't need the preseason to get ready for the regular season. And he he was like, we all need the preseason because you know how McDermott is. But I do get the sense that he's one of those guys. He's smart enough to, you know, pick up the offense and be right there, you know, with the rest of the linemen. The question is, are he and Josh Allen seeing things the same way? He doesn't have those reps with him. But as far as this guy being their center and and being what they paid for, they feel pretty confident about that. Is you do raise that.
0: that. You do raise a good point when you started your commentary right there. Is but still, he right. has four concussions. He did have his fourth concussion on the first day of full contact practice. What is going to happen in week one or week three? I mean, every time he bangs his head against something else, whether it be a helmet or the ground, uh, what's or he's in a pileup going after a fumble, going after a loose ball, and he collides with a teammate or an opponent, whatever, you're holding your breath.
2: Well, does that mean? I mean, maybe we'd need a doctor to answer this, but you don't see a lot of concussions in practice. The fact that this happened in the first pad of practice, does that mean? Mitch Morris is very susceptible to concussions, or is that a coincidence?
3: I mean, I am not a doctor. I don't but, even
0: know if we can get a doctor to answer that question, right? right?
3: I, yeah, some of it is so inexact, but the fact that he suffered one in that way and that it was his fourth one, I think the, the point is that you know you say, and you're right in saying that the Bills feel like, oh, he's going to be fine, we're not worried about it, but sometimes that feels like Still a little bit of that, that culture, that football culture of same thing as if it were a a knee injury that, oh, he's going to be fine. He'll be ready for week one. Not necessarily thinking what happens if he gets hit the wrong way again and he gets number five. You know, Mitch Morse is not sitting here thinking about retirement. He was like really excited to get out there and do full contact again. But. Would the fifth one change things? And then, you know, where do you stand? So I don't think anybody knows the exact answer to how likely he is to get another concussion. But it does seem the consensus from all the research is that he's more likely than he was before he got this one, which, you know, he was obviously pretty susceptible to get one in practice. Do
2: either of you recall, with your experience covering the league, a practice concussion in another instance?
3: Well,
0: yeah, those happen yeah. quite a bit.
3: Aaron Williams got one, um, collided with a guy. Safety's a little bit different a position, and I get that. He had a really violent collision in training camp. But, I you know, that, yeah. th- what's funny about, you know, the or odd, certainly not funny, but odd about Mitch Morris' concussion is I don't know that anybody that was watching practice can point out the play. Oh. You know, he, he had his one padded practice. Then he starts getting these symptoms and nobody could really point out the play, which, you know, to your point, you know, when Aaron Williams got his concussion in practice, it was pretty obvious and he had neck issues that went along with it. It was just it was an ugly collision. But, you know, Mitch Morris, it kind of just happened. And so, you know,
0: and if. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it reported after the fact? Didn't he well, go was, to the Bills training staff after, was yes. it after practice, and I think, the or the maybe even morning, the next day? The next right?
3: morning he woke up and wasn't feeling good or whatever. It was initially a vet day, and then on Monday, before practice, McDermott you know, said he was in concussion protocol. So uh, certainly a weird concussion. And I don't think anything drastically changes from the conversation we had in that, There's still concern about him short and long term, short term staying on the field and not getting another one and long term what the cumulative effect will do to him. But seems like his week one status is not of concern, which is probably where the bills are coming
0: from. And the bills are not acting concerned either based on their transactions because. Correct. Spencer Long has had some injury issues. Uh, he's been getting a lot of those number two center reps, but it's not as though Spencer Long has been guaranteed backup, at least all along, when he, in fact, at the moment that uh, Mitch Morse was hurt, uh, Spencer Long was out, I think, for a practice or two, whatever it was. Russell Bodine has looked awful. He has gone from a guy that the Bills were excited about signing uh, last uh, two off seasons ago to a guy who doesn't look like he belongs in the NFL anymore and of course he's coming off a really bad leg injury but he was no great shakes even before that injury so the Bills have not gone out and signed center help and you would think that if they were really concerned or even uh, holding their breath regarding Mitch Morse that they would be going out and signing help at center and they haven't been most of the the help that they've been getting on that offensive line has been you know just trying to get bodies to get them through practice or to get them through the training camp and to to final cuts uh, even making a trade uh, to do that to acquire a guy who probably wasn't going to make the team anyway so uh, but they've they've really held off on center unless I'm missing something
3: no yeah I think they feel good about or as good as you can feel about the combination of John Feliciano and Spencer Long who, as you mentioned, were both also hurt while Morse was hurt early on and led to the terrifying Russell Bodine experience for about (laughs) a week there. But now Bodine is comfortably fourth on the center depth chart where he belongs. And so Feliciano and Long are good enough. They're not great, but to have both of those guys as backups that can really play both guard spots and center – it's a silver lining to the Mitch Moore situation and because...
0: That could also play the factor in Cody Ford playing exactly. some guard too because they're like, what if we need to rely on Feliciano? We need somebody, we need to be, have a contingency plan in place for to, where, to help out at right guard when Feliciano has to shift to center.
3: Yeah, they it, they it gives them a ton of options, especially... I The only problem I see on the offensive line at the moment is what do you do with your swing tackle so to speak your back your primary backup at offensive tackle if cody ford is a guard if you decide that because you've got ty naseke and deon dawkins and presumably cody ford is your third tackle and so i guess the contingency plan is if naseke gets hurt ford moves over there and feliciano or long you know whoever's not starting um you know can jump in you know and play right guard but Still, having that situation where you're having to bounce Cody Ford back and forth probably isn't ideal because if you decide he's a really good guard and you want him there, then that's probably where you want to keep him. But that's a a minor inconvenience on this line that right now looks, at the very least, a lot better than it did a year ago.
0: The Buffalo Bills uh, obviously have other issues, uh, but not nearly as many, and that's something that Matt Fairburn took a look at with his uh, 53-man roster breakdown. Not a lot of holes this year compared to last year. I think that there was so much that was wide open, and of course we're talking about all the different possibilities on the offensive line. Uh, Tight end is a position that is uh, destabilized because of injuries, but beyond that, Really, where where do you see the last spots being fought for, Matt, here in these last two preseason games?
3: Well, they need a punter. Uh, Corey Carter's now hurt, and Corey Bajorquez has, has not been good. So that's a problem. I'd say the sixth receiver spot is still probably up for grabs. Maybe the fourth running back spot. Then you've got probably they have to decide on the defensive line how many ends they want to keep. Mike Love could end up on the outside looking in after a strong start to camp. Safety's pretty much set. Cornerback, to me, looks pretty much set now that they brought in Captain Munderland. I don't see a ton of spots. I mean, there's small questions like, will Tyree Jackson make the team? Probably not. Uh, Will, you know, who—I don't even know that it matters who the sixth receiver is, and I think it's actually— I'm pretty comfortable saying it'll be Isaiah McKenzie. A lot can change in the last two games. There's so many names that people want to talk about and probably a lot of discussion about nothing because the top five are really solid. They could even just go with five, and I don't think anybody would really argue about it. They'll probably keep a sixth, uh, but they just have to figure out who's healthy, what combination of guys they want. But I remember last year thinking so much was wide open. The offensive line, anybody could have gotten jobs. Receivers, there were spots being handed out, and now they're in a spot where the core of their roster is set and they're making some minor decisions. They'll probably make some waiver claims, not quite as many as they have in years past, but now they're just trying to – it's a it's a much better spot to be in, trying to establish your core as opposed to, you know, having roster competitions all up and down your depth chart. We're
0: going to get into that throughout the show. We're also going to ask the hard question, is there room for another Allen on this team? Namely, recently released Patriots punter Ryan Allen. Maybe that would shore up the punter situation. We'd like to talk about Christian Wade. Fans are convinced he must have a spot on this roster. Matt and I will get into that. Maybe we'll agree. Maybe we'll disagree. But uh, it's a discussion to have. Uh, I've written about Christian Wade a couple of times. Uh, As I've said, Matt Fairburn has not missed a practice, so we're probably two guys that have more educated than most uh, opinion on what's going to happen with Christian Wade. And when we come back, we're going to talk with CBS NewsHound Jeff Glor about his Buffalo Bills and what he's been up to. I saw a picture of his uh, office today. He's got some buffalo, cool Buffalo stuff in his office at the uh, CBS News building, including a signed LaShawn McCoy helmet, full sized, right there on the on his uh, shelf, right next to like some really serious books. LaShawn McCoy? What did I say? I know I, I couldn't. Hear. I thought you oh. said.
4: I thought you said something else. Did I say I Jim McCoy?
0: It? No, oh, Gerald okay. McCoy. That'd be different. <laughs> when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, that and more. Sports Radio 1270, the Fan i not Chinese. 89 Whatever job you're taking on, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 825 US only.
1: On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. People
0: losing their load over Josh Allen. That doesn't get me off. That doesn't get me off the (laughs) go-ahead shot down that time too, bud.
1: On Twitter at 1270, The Fan. My
5: fifth year incoming altar boy class, I think, was bigger and better than any other class.
0: The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Every time I hear Bon Scott playing on the air, it takes me back to high school. This was all anybody listened to at my high school, especially on the football team. I'm not a uh, Brian Johnson guy on ACDC, though. Bon Scott was where it was back at. Back in Black, all that stuff. There's some great songs. There's some rock and heavy metal anthems, but Bon Scott's where it was at. But this we listen to nothing but ACDC in the bus on the road, on the way to a road game in the locker room while we're getting the pads on, taking them off.
3: So did I, which says either a lot about ACDC or a lot about me. I'm not sure which one.
0: You listened to this, was it the team thing or you listened to this like uh, in your headphones? It was phones?
3: more so an individual thing.
0: We had, I mean, Although this was, was in some the AC/DC. 80s. This was, uh, you know, Boombox in the yeah. back we didn't all have walkmans i mean right. you had you know, walkmans were super expensive and this was the cassette you know version you know people think about walkmans or discmans all that. we didn't even have that so we would just have a boom box, and it was in fact in the in the locker room it was an 8 track player and we wow. were stuck with whatever we had which was van we had some van Halen yeah. in there too well you couldn't just walk out walk outside and grab an 8 track really at any point right it was whatever, like, yeah. yeah. Our, bro- our old, our big brothers, <laughs> or somebody would find yeah. some, and we'd bring them into locker room. But it was always, it was always AC/DC. We're joined now by the pride of Kenmore East. What were they listening to at Ken East uh, in your in your uh, tenure? What was what was big on the radio or in uh, blaring out of Jeff Glor's car out of his cassette player?
5: It was a lot of inhaling.
0: While you're heading down. Uh, what would it be? Freeze Boulevard? Freeze, yeah. Freeze going, Road. Going down. Uh, <laughs> why about Sheridan? Sheridan? Yes.
5: Uh, it was a lot of Van Halen. Yeah, right. Metallica.
0: Like, but that's pre black album, though, right? This would have been like Master of Puppets yeah, Metallica, that's like old right? Old
5: school. This would have been pre black, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, yeah. We're, yes. we're, we're dating ourselves. People can then go back and look and try to figure out. How old we are, reverse engineer.
5: Uh, I'm getting old. You're getting we're all getting old.
0: We are. I'm I'm approaching 50. Jeez. Jeff Glore, you know him from CBS Evening News and CBS This Morning, where he's the co-host. And uh he is what are you what are you working on today? Let give us a little bit of real life right before we start talking about uh diversions such as football and uh we've already gotten into heavy metal music, but what what are you you're working on something serious because you're a serious journalist.
5: We are. Yes, I won't bore you for long, but we're working on the story for Saturday. Uh, so Saturday is the two-year anniversary of Hurricane Harvey uh, down in Houston, which is, which is tied for the second costliest natural disaster on record um, with Katrina. And a lot of people might be surprised to hear um, how much hasn't changed since Harvey and how many people are still struggling and the amount of people that are still displaced, who still have their homes ruined, and we talk to a group that is down there every day getting their hands dirty, rebuilding homes, it's, um, it's a pretty cool story.
0: That's admirable journalism, which is what you've done your entire career, but, and we'll get away from that shortly. Uh, but what would you, uh, are you doing that on location, Jeff?
5: We shot the story last week, our last month in Houston, and it'll air on Saturday morning, this Saturday. All
0: right, so you'll be in studio. You're not going to be airing. You're not going to go back down to Houston. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, what else are you doing for fun?
5: Listening to you guys? Yes. Um, yeah, we watched. I, I got to watch. I've gotten to watch most of both preseason games um, with my son, which is cool, and I'm going to take him to the, um, the home opener Against the Bengals, so he's psyched. I'm psyched.
0: Have they asked you to come in and lead the charge yet?
5: <laughs> no, <laughs> they have not. Uh, we haven't talked about that, but um, they've I know. had some
0: players that I'm like,
5: eh, I think I, I think Jeff Glor would be better in
0: this situation.
5: <laughs> I I kind of just enjoy watching with 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 Jack the games, and um, you know, um, but yeah. Um, it'll be fun. You guys will be there, right?
0: We'll be there. I uh, look forward to seeing you. Hopefully we can maybe uh, bump into each other before the game. Uh, let me yeah, know when you to. get through the turnstile, and I'll come out and uh, and say hello.
5: Yeah, I don't think I met Matt, so I'd love to say hi.
0: And Jack is how old now?
5: Jack is nine.
0: Is he old enough to realize that you've cursed him with this <laughs> Bills fandom?
5: I think, I mean, I listen, he's, he's just as stubborn as his daddy, so he could have... Um, he could have cheered for the Eagles, which is uh, my wife's team. Actually, I'm sitting here with an Eagles fan right now, a producer for the Saturday broadcast named Tony there, and he says he was at a Bills watershed game um, as an Eagles fan. The Doug Flutie, Tony was the first Doug Flutie game with a naked bootleg. Remember that game?
0: Well, didn't he have a naked bootleg in every game? <laughs> it won the game.
5: Flutie. I think this was a buzzer beater. It was a walk-off touchdown and, and i went back and looked it up flutie was 36 when he joined the team
0: yeah he uh he spent his best years in canada for he was there for a long time but uh yeah flutie you know sal mayorana with the rochester democrat and chronicle did a breakdown of the 100 best bills players of all time and i think flutie was 100 criminal <laughs> wasn't it was that right matt was yeah. he 100 that's not right I mean, Flutie is no. credited with saving no. the Bills at a time when, you know, sweet sales were low and Ralph was try- threatening that maybe the team was going to have to move. And then Flutie comes by and captures the town's imagination, dashes your producer's hopes for an Eagles win that
5: day. No, it was against
0: the Jags. Oh, was it it, was he wasn't guy. even there watching the Eagles. It was against Jacksonville.
5: It was the, he wasn't even there. That sounds about right. They can't hear you from over there, Tony, I don't think. But, um, um, yeah. yeah uh, good thing we're you're all, right. And you guys are in the
0: broadcast right. business and you I I'm not.
5: I'm a, I'll here I'll I'll bring the phone closer. So Maybe we, we don't want
0: to hear from Tony.
5: Tony says the Eagles are going to be 12 and 4.
0: Not only, that's fine. They just got Josh McCown out of retirement, so that's good for at least 3 wins.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Thank you. So, um what Take us back to your fandom. What captured your imagination other than growing up in Tanawanda? You're obviously a Bills but it, you're you're going to be exposed to that. But was there, what was the moment where they captured your heart, Jeff?
5: I mean, it was ba- it was I mean, they, my family had season tickets from from War Memorial to to when Rich Stadium opened and um, you know, I remember sitting in games uh we were around the 32 yard line 20 rows up or so and I was you know I would sit at games in December and just have 17 layers on but still be frozen with 13 minutes left in the first quarter um but do you remember your ever. first game i I don't think I do remember what the first game was I was I don't know I don't know exactly how old I was but I remember just like loving the experience of every you know every part of it and then you know as I, I, I sort of came of age as a sports fan is when that was in like, you know, 86, 87 when, you know, right after they drafted Bruce Smith and then Thurman got drafted in 88 and Kelly obviously was in the USFL for a couple of years. But so that was my sort of like, those were the, those were the, <laughs> the big years for me. Tough years too, but.
0: We're in conversation with Jeff Glore, the pride of Kenmore East. Uh, talking about his beloved Buffalo Bills. Now, Jack is nine years old. What is your thought process every time you walk into uh, a stadium with a nine-year-old? Because Rich. I'll tell you, I went there with my son. His name's Jack also. And I want to say he was about nine. when we went to a preseason game. It was against the Steelers. It was an epic game, by the way. Uh, it, but it was family day. Uh, so it was the whatever preseason game that was. And Fred Jackson had a big run, and uh, uh, Michael Vick was playing for the Steelers and threw for a gazillion yards, and Jeff Toole threw for a gazillion yards, and, uh, and uh, E.J. Manuel had a great day, and it was, it was amazing. And, uh, but uh, we did see a guy, before we even got to our seats, being carted out in one of those uh, uh, EMS wheelchairs, not like a regular wheelchair, and he was bleeding from the forehead had no idea where he was, and uh, the game was still about a half hour from starting. This was family day. I, I had to tell my son, you know, prepared like there's some things you might see in the men's room. Uh, you know, guy, guys might be using the sinks for things other than to wash their hands. you know, I had to you know, I had to yep. I had to kind of you know break him in, get him ready for what he was about to see. Uh, how do how does how does Jack Glore handle all this?
5: I think he, he's a tough kid. T- I, uh, I, I probably should have that conversation with him. You're right. Uh, <laughs> he's seen
0: his dad wearing, like, Army helmets and stuff in war zones.
5: He's, he's seen it, yes. And he's seen his dad yell at the television while sporting events are on so many times that um, he's probably steeled for anything. Um, but I will say that, like, uh, like it or not, I like it. I, he is, he is at nine years old, a bigger Bills fan than I've ever been.
0: All right. Well, just don't step in. watch where you step on very on the concourse and maybe near your seat. All right. So no,
5: I, I I think we'll be okay.
0: You've been in war zones. You can handle
5: it. Yeah.
0: What? Uh, so, what are your expectations for your Buffalo Bills this year?
5: Um, nine and seven, ten
0: and six. All right. That's not too crazy. I think that's well within you know, reality-based, you're not getting too worked up about it. I think that the defense is good enough to be a playoff team if the offense can not ruin it or doesn't get in its way too much. Right. All right, so I guess then maybe I should ask you what your expectations are for Josh Allen, because that's really what it's going to hinge on, right?
5: I think so. My expectations, I mean, like, so I think if he's not um, running in the way he – did last year and you know I think so health is the biggest concern right and whether he can um, avoid injuries but then I mean obviously I think what we've seen in the preseason games that there's there's been a little more settling and so I don't know how about like 24 touchdowns 12 interceptions and 4,000 yards 3500 yards
0: I think that he will have a statue by uh, February uh, outside the stadium if he does that, because that's like the type of quarterback play that the Bills haven't seen since Doug Flutie.
5: But <laughs> they typically make these leaps. So this so the first year is always the most difficult. I was just talking about this with Tony, the Eagles fan who, who saw Carson Wentz his first year, and he said, you know, how frustrating it was watching that first season with a lot of the dink and dunk passes, and then they opened him up a little bit more. And so the second year, obviously, Wentz got hurt at the end of the season, but that was their Super Bowl year, right?
0: Yeah, Wentz was going to be the MVP of the entire NFL, I think, had he not gotten hurt.
5: Um, So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's unrealistic to have those expectations, but um, I have them.
0: And you have the short passing game with the uh, addition of Cole Beasley, and if Tyler Croft can come back or they get any semblance of uh, tight end play, uh, then I think that you have a a dimension to the game where it's a a safer form of passing And the Bills. I don't know, uh, and maybe we can ask Matt Fairburn his thoughts on this too, but you've seen the preseason games. When Josh Allen's been on the field, they are not running the ball. They are doing every, they're just throwing and throwing and throwing. Now, that could be something just to get him as many reps as possible heading into the regular season. But your thoughts on, on seeing the Bills' first team offense throw it so much?
5: I I mean, positive. You're not going to be, I don't, you're not going to be a shotgun every play, right? But, um, but I mean, this is the point is that the young quarterbacks are supposed to take the easy option, or the short pass when they can. Right. I mean, that's sort of how you learn. Um, and so uh, I think if he can, like I said, it's just going to be sort of a, you know, we don't have to run wild. <laughs> you can throw the ball away um, or, uh, or take the short pass. Um, and leaping over guys is great. And it was amazing, but uh, that we can't do that every quarter.
0: What's your big question mark, then, Jeff?
5: I mean, Mitch Morris is one right now. Uh, uh, you guys were talking about that earlier. Uh, I was, ex- you know, excited by that. It was, you know, but I think it obviously it was it's concerning when you first hear that at the first practice. Um, yeah. So so center, tight end, um, and. I feel good about Beasley. I feel like he's going to catch a lot of balls. I think.
0: I do too. I think that he's an underrated uh, fantasy player this year. That's
5: interesting, especially in like in a point per reception league, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I I think, and that's what I'm in mostly. I I tend to forget that people do other leagues. Yeah, I don't know that I'd. uh, I don't think he's going to be a big yardage guy, but he's going to move the chains.
5: I feel, like, I feel like he's going to catch, like, 10 or 12 passes a game.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. 10 or 12 passes for 73 yards. Right. And no, no <laughs> exactly. touchdowns. A great day for your PPR league. That'd be That's like
5: exactly right. Yes.
0: Yeah, 180 <laughs> catches a year. I don't have a problem predicting that. I'm going to set the over-under on 165.5.
5: I don't know. So, like, reset my expectations if you think they're – two pie in the sky right now no
0: i i think i'm i would predict nine and seven for the bills right now um well i guess nothing's going to change over the next couple of weeks so i'll put them at nine and seven but as i kind of uh, framed one of those questions earlier jeff i think that the defense is really good and that's where my optimism is for a winning record and if the offense can play a little bit better uh, than i think then i think you're looking at a playoff caliber team I think the defense is good enough uh, to be a postseason uh, contender, but the offense just uh, they need to make a, a, quite a leap from what they did last year. And granted they signed all those guys to do that. Uh, Mitch yeah. Moore, San Cole Beasley and Frank Gore to solidify the backfield and Devin Singletary, who uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about um, all, and I'm not talking about just Mitch Morse, but the entire offensive line being rebuilt. So, I think that everything is there, uh, John Brown. We can't forget John Brown. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think so. But what you're saying is you're saying that uh, you basically just think Josh Allen has to be, right, like a game manager. But I, I I, think long-term, like, he has more talent potentially than than being just a game manager, right?
0: I agree with that. Uh, he has that leadership. He has that charisma. He's got that, hey, guys, uh, climb on my back. Let's see how far we can go. Um but he is young and he's only played 10 NFL games. Is it right? 10. He started, he's he's played 11. He started 10. Um, yeah. So I think that if he can rely on what's around him and I hate to make this comparison because people are going to roll their eyes. I'm not comparing these guys in terms of their careers, but it reminds me a little bit of what Rex Ryan did with the New York Jets and Mark Sanchez, his first couple of years. And that was a team that had a lot of talent around it. Um, you know, uh, yeah, re, well, yeah, defensively speaking, but on offense, too. Uh, you know, all these guys all throughout the offensive line, guys like DeBrickishaw Ferguson and Alan Fanica and uh, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on the center, the really good Mangold. center. Mankins. Yeah, Nick, Nick Mangold. Uh, oh, yeah. They had all kinds of guys. You know, they had Devin uh, Dustin Keller at tight end and uh, the uh stretching the field, uh, Santonio Holmes, I'm trying to go back. Cotry. This is like 10 years ago. Jericho Cotter. That's yeah. right. Well, Thomas So anyways, Jones. it was Mark Sanchez, and he was young and raw, and he could do it, but it was like, let's let him just get use all this. It's a, Ladanian Tomlinson was on that team. So let's just use what you have around you. That's a team that got within one game of the Super Bowl two years in a row. They made it yeah. to the AFC Championship game, winning every postseason game on the road two years in a row. So that was a good team, and Mark Sanchez did it the way you want a young quarterback to do it. So, if the Bills can get in that type of mode, um, and with Josh Allen, and then he can still uncork one every now and then and, and win the game with his legs here and there, then you could be looking at some, at an offense that can do some damage.
5: How many touchdowns a year was Sanchez throwing in those years? Like, like 17 or 18?
0: See, now you're making me do work. I do remember writing a couple of times how great he was, but,
5: um, 't was great. He managed. He, I mean, it was, that's what he did, right?
3: He threw 26 in 2011. Really? Wow. 18 picks, completed 56% of his passes.
0: That was his third year in the NFL.
3: So his second year, he threw 17 touchdowns, 13 picks. So he was, he was never, until he got to Philadelphia and he was only in brief action, with the Jets, he was never a 60% passer.
5: No, I yeah, so but when and, and I I totally get the the comparison Tim and I agree with it but with respect I think that they're different Mark Sanchez and Josh Allen are different quarterbacks with different sort of they're just different.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I I I was talking about the situation more than that's why I said I was hesitant to compare them as quarterbacks. It's more the situation. A young quarterback build up around him Uh, Take away his ability to make a mental mistake by keeping things as simple as possible, as short as possible. Getting the ball to these three running backs. The Bills have three running backs on their roster right now who you can get the ball to, and they can do things. Uh, Getting the ball to these tight ends, short passes. Now the Bills tried to do that, uh, bolster that position, not only through free agency but also in the draft. It's been decimated by injuries, uh, which hasn't allowed them to really uh, evolve too much here through the, the preseason and training camp. Uh, bring in short distance receiver out of the slot, something that they didn't even have last year in Cole Beasley. And then guys who can now they still have the guys who looked pretty good last year, plus John Brown. So you have an offensive line that can keep uh, blitzers uh, or, or a heavy pressure at bay for just that extra half a second or a second. So if you can work that short yardage stuff to set up the long pass versus what defense had to do last year, the vice versa. We're going to take away the deep stuff, and make you beat us short, and the Bills couldn't do it. So now they have the ability to do that, and that's type, the type of situation that the Jets created for Mark Sanchez, and it worked very well. Yep. It got them to back-to-back AFC championship games and made Rex Ryan look like a genius, which is something in and of itself.
5: <laughs> um, what is the Jets record going to be this year? Oh, boy. That's a good question.
0: I don't. Uh, there's something about that. They look good on paper. I think.
3: Like I mean, eight and eight. Matt's
0: going to have a, better? an opinion on this too. But there's something about this. Tr- there's a train wreck vibe I get from Adam Gase and the fact that they they fired Mike McCagnan, their general manager, when they did not just right after the draft, but they waited. Like they were okay with him after the draft for made a while. Some then moves. then something happened where it's like, no, we got to get rid of the general manager. There's just a Jenga. I'm getting a Jenga feel from there, and they're just one piece of wood removed from falling apart.
3: What I love about the Jets and Bills being in the same division and having this rebuild kind of at the same time, it feels like two totally different approaches. Like, the Bills seem like they're doing things the right way, but there's this you know fear among some fans that maybe they're picking the wrong guys and it's not going to work. The Jets have all the star power, <laughs> But the the yeah. process to get there feels really ass-backwards. I mean, they've fired their coach and brought in Adam Gase. They fired their GM. They traded up in March to get you know into the top three, which is kind of reckless. But they end up getting a, a good quarterback in Sam Darnold. So some things are working out for them, and they have a ton of talent. But you're right. There seems to be a potential disaster element. I still think that's going to be a toss-up. I can't. Say who's going to be better, the Bills or the Jets? I think they're going to be right around that seven and nine to nine and seven range, and it's going to depend on who stays healthiest and, and which team gets the breaks.
0: Yeah, Jeff, it's like um, I'm picking the Bills to be the second best team in the AFC East, but it's mostly a feel with the Jets more than you look at them on paper. I think they look like a pretty decent team, but and it's like it's similar to Cleveland. Cleveland looks like they yeah. have a lot going for them, yeah. but me being a native Clevelander, maybe that plays into it. I, I just haven't seen it happen, so it's hard to imagine the Browns being good. But Freddie Kitchens is unproven, totally unproven. Uh, they're in a really tough division every year. It's it's a badass division whether you, when you have Baltimore and Pittsburgh in it. And it just yeah. seems like they're one crisis or one embarrassment uh, away from maybe falling apart and they're attacking each other in the locker room and i don't know what but it it seems like a lot of big personalities for a a rookie head coach to manage
5: you a lot of big personalities mayfield obj kareem hunt right uh who else? i mean (laughs) yes wait who and who jarvis landry
0: right uh, right uh, yeah isn't that enough
5: yeah, uh, that's just know. on offense. One would think. Yes.
0: Well, Jeff, thanks for joining us. I'll let you get back to editing that Hurricane Harvey package. We look forward to watching that on Saturday morning on CBS. And uh, yeah, guys, I hope you al- can join. Always, uh, always a thrill to have you on. Uh, our utmost respect as a, as a newsman, and to grace us with your presence is uh, is always uh, fun and to talk Bills. So thanks for coming on the show, especially on short notice. time brother. All right, Jeff Glor of CBS News joining the Tim Graham Show, leading him out with a little running with the devil. When we come back, we're going to have more Bill's Roster Talk with Matthew Fairburn, talk a little colleges. Yeah, Jonah Bronstein, We us talk some college sports. We've got stuff going on, UB football starting up, UB's new facility opening up yesterday. New semester. Maybe some other stuff to talk about with Jonah Bronstein when we come back on the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270
1: The Fan Tim Graham Show What's the uh, the time period for when you can watch that On Now on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan Tune in radio sportsradio1270.com and on The Fan's app Your wife will never know
0: Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan, we have some career crossroads coming up here in the next week or so. Final cuts. Bill's going to trim down their roster to 53 men and add 10, potentially 11, practice squatters. Probably 11.
3: Maybe some waiver claims.
0: You never know. Maybe they
3: trim beyond. Last year they went down to 52.
0: Got to make some room just in case you want to grab somebody from another roster. Before we get to that, though, we're going to talk some more roster building and the Bills and their 53-man. But I want to bring up uh, yesterday's ESPN insider piece, which is why they do these. They're talkers, as we say in the business. That the uh, coach on the hot seat, more than any other, right? There was nobody else. Was that what it was? Sean McDermott, number one? Well, not necessarily that he is on the hot seat. But was he number one? He was
2: number one in terms of... Will he, if, he be fired or resign? If the Bills resigned? went 4-12, it was if every team in the NFL went 4-12, and which coach had the biggest chance of being fired in that situation? And Sean McDermott, according to their statistical analysis, had a 73% chance of being fired following a 4-12 and
0: season. See, well, that's all based on an algorithm. Fired. doesn't take into account the fact that the Bills love this guy. Talking about the front office. The fact that they know there or at least they they feel that they're building in the right direction to go four and twelve, he might
3: That's he messy. might not survive that. Four you, and twelve de- is bad.
0: Wow. It depends on how you get to four. I and 12 I always
3: say it depends on how you get to whatever number. It
0: is, yeah, it's not know? just four it's never and twelve. Just,
3: there's no cutoff point where you say, well, if you had won that sixth game, <laughs> yeah. we would have kept you. But right. now we have you went five and one. If Josh
0: Allen fire. breaks his leg on opening day. And, and Matt Barkley struggles, or maybe he even has an injury issue at some point. And you have to we don't have to, but you bring in Tyree Jackson. <laughs> if the Bills make go an entire season without a quarterback to th- th- that's any good, then I think fans are gonna be like, well, you gotta chalk that up for bad luck. Right. So that's one way you can go four and twelve. If you go four and twelve and Sean McDermott repeatedly blows challenges. Kind of like Smurfs. If he <laughs> Continues to punt on fourth down. I'm on look at the tape. The opponent side of the field. If he passes up the ability or the chance to go to kick a field goal, or he punts in overtime like he did in the s- <laughs> in the snow overtime <laughs> game and ended up winning the game, but punted Respect in overtime, <laughs> he was going for the tie. If he does that,
3: would have knocked the Bills out of the playoffs. <laughs> a tie would they wouldn't have made it.
0: That's right. That's absolutely that right. Risk.
3: You know, and what's funny about that is. He's a big process over results guy. But the next day, he was all results over process. <laughs> it was like, Sean, that was a bad process to get to, you know, not good thinking to get to the win. Like, you almost really cost yourself. But he's like, well, we won. And it's like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that against, but, you know.
4: against the whole thought?
3: But, yeah, if he does a lot of stuff like that and they're 4-12 and 12, and Josh Allen's healthy and doesn't look good, people yeah. are going to be – upset they're gonna be there's gonna be some angst well
2: if they with the improvements they made in free agency to the roster and you no longer have a rookie quarterback and they win fewer games than they did last year that's got to be some indictment on the coaching and I don't know if Sean McDermott will get fired but it would be fair I think for people to speculate and form their own opinions on whether he should be fired
3: I think the piece is fair in the way that you framed it Of all, if every coach went 4 and 12, which everybody knows can't happen because somebody has to win games, but this is a guy that has been, is now in his third season, hasn't won a playoff game, hasn't, you know, done anything really of note uh, outside of making the playoffs, has a six win season on his resume. If he adds a four win season, there's not that many coaches that would have that. You know, right. with well, this and is that's
2: saying 73% of the time a coach in that situation wouldn't come back for the fourth year.
3: Which, again, like, you know, 27% accounts for some of the things Tim's talking about. It accounts for the way ownership feels about him, the type of leeway he might have in that regard. If they, I mean, if they went 4-12, and 12, it, it's an interesting hypothetical universe to live in because I'd be fascinated to see how they would get there because – Last season's team was so bad, and I think it's a credit to Sean McDermott that they won six games with how bad they were.
0: His fingerprints are all over that organization. I'm talking about on the building uh, with, the, with the, uh, the new facility mm-hmm. that they have there with their uh, strength and conditioning, or what do they call it? The Performance. Af- Performance center, right, uh, with the, the roster. Of course, Brandon Bean's the general manager, but you know that is believed to be, and I talk to people who are there all the time, that's Sean McDermott's building. One Bill's Drive is not the Pagulas. It's not Brandon Bean. It's Sean McDermott. That he sets the tone in there with everything from... He's got the, got way, the juice. The, he's got the juice. That's right. With the way people are spo- expected to act, the professionalism, all these different things. It's Sean McDermott's got a say on everything. And uh, so 4-12, and 12, he'd have to own more so than Brian Dable, than Brandon Bean, than even Terry Pagoula, Probably. I think that this is his show, and he's being allowed to to run it. So it's not being 4-12. It's how they get to 4-12. It is I could see him being fired, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. We've, I think this is a 20—I'd take the
2: 27%. We talked about this for a good segment, I think, with Rodak a few weeks before he left. And Rodak was of the opinion where if the Bills don't do well this year— I don't know how many wins he put on it, but if they underachieve, he does think that— I think his position was more that Sean McDermott will be on the hot seat and enter into a must-win season next year. But Rodak wasn't really on the same line of thinking that we are, that Sean McDermott's so safe because of the power and personality True. dynamics of the absolutely. Buildings. He thinks they have to win some games this year for uh, Sean McDermott and maybe even Brandon Bean to feel
0: really secure in their positions. We, we've seen it before, and I know we've got to get to a break here, but we've seen it before in this town where somebody goes from, what are you, nuts, to he's got to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a matter of weeks i mean it's i mean everybody la- happened with rex yeah That
3: happened quick
0: that happened and i've said this story and it's i've just said it's just an example but there's a whatever i have to i'm going to look it up real quick if i can but uh in uh the big tree Inn, where uh it's on the cover of sports illustrated rex and he's there with thurman thomas and jim kelly And it's, what is it, the Rex effect or Rex in effect or whatever the hell it is. And fans were going nuts. And, of course, it's big and it's hanging on there. And Rex signed it. And they win. They beat the Indianapolis Colts in week one, a a game they were supposed to lose. Uh, And then they lose to the the Patriots. Then they go down to Miami and win that game. So they're now 2-1. and They come back and they lose to the New York Giants. 24 to 10 and i remember walking into the big tree after that game the bills are only two and two and i you know order some beers and of course when we get there at the big tree we're we've been writing these people have been drinking all day and a guy comes up and saddles up next to me and he's like push, like shoulder to shoulder and he says i uh, something along the lines of i wish rex was dead <laughs> Like, it wasn't even just, like, Rex has to go. It's, like, I want him to die. Like, he, they were so – this was four weeks in. Gee, and that fans, was not, like – and I was, like, man. I think I even wrote about it at some point. Like, they were done with Rex. And then, of course, they go on to lose another couple. But that, that's how quickly fans are done with people. They could love them one second, and, uh, and they're just ready for them to, I guess, die. Rex Ryan! <laughs> All right, we got to take a break sorry that I went over the hour there with that little
4: <laughs> that little Rex that tidbit, little huh? vignette it has to come in all right when we come
0: in. back we're gonna get into the 53man roster with Matthew Fairburn some college news and tidbits and thoughts from Jonah Bronstein and uh various other things maybe some surprises on the Tim Graham show sports radio 1270
1: fans this is sports radio 1270. The fan.
0: I know I would get pimp, diggle, pimp, diggle. I love sausage. You, Shocking, dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, the Tim Graham show. I diddled old uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me sohonia I did have
1: an accident with a menorah one on Twitter at 1270 the Fan Mall. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? Uh oh.
0: What? What's with the Asian theme today,
4: Bobby? We have oh, Hong—it's uh, ethnic uh, ethnic radio day at twelve seventy. The
0: fan. Oh, We've just been doing a lot of you know. This off. is Hong Kong taxi yeah. driver. Last one was turning Japanese. Turning right, and then you had something else too that was. I don't know. I don't know. Either. Van Halen? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're... I think the dad was German.
3: That sounds right, right? Van-, Van
0: Halen. Von... Wolfgang is the name of the son. Hey, uh, Bill's 53-man roster. Before we get it? to that, I just want to mention that Larry King has filed for divorce. This will be his <laughs> eighth. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Fifty three, he's he's all he's all, well on his way to an NBA roster of ex wives. I think he's had more divorces than marriages. What? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I should hope.
0: You know what? That reminds me of that stupid saying: "Fall down, uh, fall down eight times, get up seven, or something like that, or fall down eight times, get, get up, up eight times, or get up nine. That's right. Yeah. that's where it is. Wait, what? Get knocked down eight times, get up nine. I'm like, that's you've gotten up one extra time." <laughs>
3: Either that or you've thrown yourself on the floor. <laughs> yeah, do you
0: start yeah, you start it off? Doesn't make sense. All right. This but
3: it sounds good, right?
0: Yeah, it sounds like a great inspirational quote.
3: Eight divorces. Those aren't cheap from what I hear.
0: Larry King, you know, it's uh, you see it on uh, he's got these infomercials now where it makes it seem like he's interviewing he does a doctor. Oh, sure. Oh, all the, wow. on, they're on all the time. Oh, I, I don't I really watch. And uh, there was one on the grid on my DirecTV recently. <laughs> if it doesn't have enough room for the whole thing, it'll say Larry King dot, 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 or whatever. So this was Larry King's prostate, dot, dot, dot. It was uh-huh. like a prostate. It like a prostate, It sounds like a Larry King column. Prostate, right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Larry King getting divorced for the eighth time, That's according awesome. to TMZ. TMZ, I guess, has a, has something on Mario Williams. Uh, Mario was arrested out on a hundred dollars bond, though. So it must not have been the judges must not have been too worried about uh, Mario, but he violated a, a restraining two, order.
3: There's a two and a half minute video in which I'm not sure Mario Williams says anything that makes sense.
0: Well, we're gonna Bobby Rosati's working hard.
3: What I could gather was that Mario Williams went to he did have a nice quip though. So he goes to the um the mother of his child's home and he has
0: she has a restraining order against him evidently apparently reportedly
3: reportedly allegedly he was upset that she had their kid's ipad and was downloading stuff so he found a way allegedly to mirror the whatever device like lets you in the gate or in the garage Mario Williams likes his toys. You remember that? Big in technology. Found a way to tinker with this thing to get himself into the house. And
0: it went to law enforcement school. He may have been trained on some of this stuff. Remember when he became, he went uh, during one of the Bill's off seasons, he became deputized or became, he went to police school. He's
3: not not a a stupid guy. No. He's quite smart. I I thought he was one of the most well-spoken guys in that room when he decided to talk. But he, so then he calls the cops, because she was threatening to call the cops, and he calls the cops, and he's yelling and trying to explain the situation that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But at one point, he's describing where he is to the cop, and he said, well, I guess I'm now at my ex-girlfriend's house. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, you'll have that. But very strange situation. I don't know how serious it is. There was no real violence. There was a lot of yelling. But... What an odd two and a half minute video it was.
0: Yeah, Mario Williams. I'm just calling it up here just as to jog my memory from uh, 2013. He graduated from a police academy, law, Lone Star Law Enforcement Academy. Uh, academy. uh yeah.
3: I don't know. What that was while he was playing.
0: Like so in 2013, while he's playing for the Bills, he was you know getting ready for. It. I always thought that if. Mario Williams could make as much money as a police officer as he would a football player that he would have become the police officer. I don't think he loved playing football.
3: No, I don't think he, he did. did
0: it because he was good at it and he got paid well. And I don't think he had a passion for it. He had a passion for all this other stuff. He likes shooting guns and driving his four wheelers. And right.
3: If he, so I was actually just having a conversation with somebody about this. When he got signed in Miami, there were people in that, building that were kind of wondering what the hell was going on like why are we bringing this guy in like it's pretty it was pretty well known especially at that point in his career he had established a reputation league wide that he was a guy that didn't really care not necessarily a guy you wanted in your building because he was all about himself
0: now he was a good player he went to he two pro good. bowls with Houston two pro bowls with Buffalo and was an all pro
3: What do you have 4 10 sack seasons
0: he had with the Bills, he had three 10-plus. In his last season, he had five in 15 games. But he his Bills sack totals from 2012, his first year on, 10-and-a-half, 13, 14-and-a-half. So that's a pretty nice run. Very
3: good. Imagine if he cared.
0: 36 sacks in three seasons. And, uh, yeah, he was a hell of a player.
3: But, yeah, he just averaged 10 sacks a year in the four years that he was in Buffalo. Yet really the entire time not that he didn't care but
0: it goes down to miami plays in 13 games only one and a half sack that's playing opposite cam wake you know they had good players like he should have cleaned up down there but he's 31 at the time and he's made a lot of guaranteed dollars and probably has his mind on law enforcement do you have that bobby sure, can do. you play it now or yes. do we want to wait okay no i got it Sorry, So this but... is the mario williams
3: Very. have you screened it
0: <laughs> yes i screened it fully Okay, it's, so this is Mario Williams, wow. and he's, what is he, recording himself? Is it like a... I think it's
3: her video. It must be her security it, camera. Yes, yeah, because... a TMZ.
4: Because sh- you can hear him getting quiet. You'll hear it. Okay, go ahead. I, 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 I told you. I get told you. No, 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 no. Call the cop. Tell them to come. I am reporting this now. Get out. No, you're, this is illegal. I hate you. What are you talking about? Oh, 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 you're going crying? Get, no. get, get out. Tori, get out. Here, oh. here, 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 here. Here, I'll call again for you. How are you in here right now? Because he opened the door. Thank I, I said that to you. I said that. You heard me. Who opened the door? The sheriff that stays up there. So he the opened my garage for you? He got the opener up there. Yes, just how the lady in the house
0: He sounds excited.
4: Called you, which is late. So somebody I think a
0: little just opened up. my house <laughs> for you to you come You
4: are all my stuff. I have you. What does that mean? You're not logged right in That's You literally logged in. You, you, you didn't even let us some use the iPad. Record it. Get, Get out. No. Get out. No. I'm calling cops right here. Again. <laughs> how Leave. Much, how
0: much longer is this? One minute. Okay. One more
3: minute? Yeah. <laughs> you think he's wearing red contacts during let this?
4: Let me talk to them. Oh, maybe. speaker?
3: It's on speaker. Hello? He said, let <laughs> me talk to them. It's on speaker.
4: You're doing this. You, oh, the judge will know. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yes, this is 911. Do you have emergency? Yes, I'm sorry, Mom. I guess Mom. ex-girlfriend I guess ex-girlfriend. Been, she <laughs> broke into my... Oh, rewind code. that. I she talked over it. That's Matt's favorite herself. line.
5: Uh,
0: hello, can
4: you hear me? Yes, this is 911. Do you have emergency? Yes, I'm sorry, Mom. I guess ex-girlfriend <laughs> has been... She <laughs> broke into my iCloud... Has been downloading stuff via our son's iPad. What's, the address? What's your address? That's an emergency to break into my house. It's a he literally just broke into my oh, house. So
0: she's saying because of that he tethered, tethered iPad. the iPad no, to, the, to his hung phone, on so that way she no, can no. Down, do get stuff oh, off of his phone, please. which you can do, depending on how the accounts are set up and things like that.
3: Yeah, wow. he. that's essentially what he's accusing her of. Yeah. But you he broke into her house to time, do but it. But he broke into her house to get the iPad back because that's what she was using to do it. Yeah, you can't do that. Certainly not. I don't even. Smart guy to figure out how to do that. Very dumb guy to do it, to you know, copy the garage door opener and whatnot.
4: I wouldn't be surprised if there's some. But um,
3: very, very dumb move to do that.
4: Wouldn't be surprised if there's some
0: uh, drugs involved in this. Now, Bobby,
4: you I'm can't, just saying.
0: you're saying you wouldn't be That's surprised. That's conjecture. I That's wouldn't true. be surprised. Now here's
3: my question. What was she downloading that got him so upset?
0: Porn. Well, maybe he's got other ladies or Ooh. who knows? Or maybe just, just what could the... she be downloading? His like his whereabouts, what he's up to, his textuses. How about this? I just want to make I just want to bring this up again. This is not. I don't believe Aaron Marzuki, his former fiance, who oh, he not. bought. I'm guessing it's not. I don't think so. Did they back have in, a child together? Back in 2014, Aaron Marzuki uh, filed a lawsuit uh, in where, or he. I'll stop this. I'll start over. Mario Williams tried to get a 785 thousand dollar diamond ring back. Seven. Stop and think about that. I mean, obviously, he's this guy's made a lot of money, millions and millions, and people who make this kind of money. But a seven hundred and eighty-five thousand dollar diamond engagement ring, he gave to Aaron Marzuki. That's a, I mean, that's a lot about of that mo- one. Yeah. What would be different? than... Two hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. Rings. Yeah, two hundred. It can't be much
3: that she would even notice.
0: How about the... What was it? Drew Brees just sued a guy for. For selling uh, millions of dollars worth of uh, fake stuff.
4: Remember when Eli almost got busted for that and then they just swept it under the rug that he was signing helmets and stuff or uh, signing fake helmets and, and he was pawning them off to people on the the. Well, that's uh, a little different market. than diamonds. But yeah, you're saying he's yeah, a little was
0: game. You It was supposed to be game news. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he was just making it up. Yeah, Drew Brees recently won a lawsuit in which he, was, he had spent millions on diamonds. Oh,
3: I didn't hear about that. Was he an investor or just a collector?
0: He was defrauded of $6.7 million worth of diamonds. It was jewelry that he had purchased for his wife over the years, and they eventually take him in to get appraised and found out (laughs) that they were worth (laughs) almost nothing.
4: That sucks.
3: That's a Uh, tough break.
0: All right, so here's a, a photo from the trial, in which I'm reading this off of. Between 2012 and 2016, uh, Drew Brees had bought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pieces of jewelry, uh, eight pieces of jewelry for his wife, totaling 14.8 million dollars, but it was appraised at eight million dollars. So the difference was 6.7 mil that Drew Brees won in a judgment recently against a, a jeweler. So oh, the stuff
3: wasn't worthless.
0: No, but for just the idea of spending fourteen, how much money do you have that you can spend fourteen point eight million on on jewelry?
3: A lot, a lot of money. Jewelry makes people do some crazy things. Jewelry's been at the center of a lot of these maybe dr- dramas. Drew
0: Brees can afford to take a pay cut so that way the Saints can get some defensive players over the past right. ten years, so they don't always suck on defense.
3: He's like, I need to play hardball in this negotiation so I can buy another $5 million necklace.
0: Man, now he deserves it. He's a quarterback. He's one of the all-time
3: greats. But But grow up. (laughs) Holy
0: smoke. Larry King, meanwhile, working on his eighth divorce. I I bet you that's cost him more than $4.8 million. All right, when we come back, we're finally going to get into this 53-man roster projection with Matthew Fairburn. And uh, talk to Boy, Jonah Bronstein really. about some college sports on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, the Fan
2: Castle. In- Condition
4: Unacceptable
1: On Sports Radio 1270 The, the Tim Graham Show
0: Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here. Sports Radio 1270 The Fan in studio with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic and Jonah Bronstein joining us as usual. Has Periscope going for this mofo. You can see it on Twitter. This Tim Graham Show and all previous Tim Graham Shows. Uh, we tweet it out so you can uh, find it easily. Bobby Rosati diddle in the knobs. With Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic here in studio, let us take a look at the Bills 53-man roster projection. You put together a piece for The Athletic uh, yesterday, I think it was, right? Or is it today? Monday. Monday. Today's Wednesday. Okay, so on Monday, you took a look at the 53-man roster. You projected. This is not set in stone. This is educated guesses, though, because, hey, Matt's got sources. Matt talks to people. Um, I've, I've seen it with my own two eyes. Uh, and What was your toughest call to make?
3: I would say probably the sixth wide receiver. although you know what? Also playing the numbers game on the offensive and defensive lines was a little tricky. The sixth wide receiver is one of those things where you kind of just you pick you pick who you think and you know they're either gonna they're probably gonna keep six, so just pick one of them. The numbers game that they always play at different positions. It's different every year. You can kind of guess how many they'll keep, but I always find that to be the trickiest part of the exercise. How many linebackers do they need versus defensive backs, especially when they use guys like Saran Neal and Maurice Alexander, who can kind of play both. And so, you know, guys that are safeties and corners or safeties and linebackers, but overall compared to doing this a year ago, there were a lot – most things were easy, you know, because you just you start by just penciling in the automatics, and then there weren't that many spots left. So you're just deciding on a few things, and really, you know, the, the defense gets tricky at the bottom. But the funny thing is the starting lineup is almost exactly the same as it was a year ago just with Ed Oliver.
0: Yeah, you just put in Ed Oliver where Kyle Williams was. Uh, What about uh, the offensive line? Well, no. Let's take a step back. Let's go with running back. Now, the Christian Wade phenomenon, the guy almost scores a touchdown on his first reception, or he he does score a touchdown on his first rush, his first touch that he's ever had in the NFL in the preseason game against Indianapolis. He goes 65 yards for a touchdown. Then he catches his first pass last week, at Carolina, and almost takes it the distance, breaking a handful of tackles along the way. Fans are curious, what are the Bills going to do with him? Oh, my, uh, they're going to lose this guy if they put him on waivers. There's no way that another team doesn't pick him up. Brandon Bean's got to find a way to put him on the 53-man roster. But, Matthew Fairburn, you say,
3: I think he'll get cut.
0: He's going to get cut. That's what I say, too. He's going he's gonna to get waived and with the goal of putting him back on the practice squad as the 11th bonus spot. You only get 10 spots on the practice squad. Christian Wade is an 11th because he's part of this international program, and he's not going to count towards the roster, so that way he is allowed to be an extra player for practice and all that other stuff.
3: They lucked out getting him because they didn't choose him.
0: He was assigned to the Bills. It's not as though Brandon Bean was scouting out the rugby pitch in Great Britain looking for the next NFL running back. These
3: guys had a pro day, but even then they weren't spending their time necessarily worrying about these guys. The AFC East was chosen as the division, and these players were assigned. They're somewhat fortunate that they got Christian Wade at a position where they could probably have used a little bit of help. But— the guy barely knows how to play football still. He looked a little lost when he made that catch on Friday night, and once he figured out where he was, you know, was off to the races. But even so, guys were saying if he followed his blocks, he would have had a touchdown. You know, guys were laughing at him.
0: He needed to cut back towards the sideline, and he would have had the whole—everything uh, would have been sealed off for him. Instead, he ran towards tacklers.
3: Right. And even that play— Now,
0: that granted, he did make a great— football play by getting one tackler to miss and then three guys now a little bit was happenstance they kind of knocked each other off of him but still to be able to stay on your feet when three guys are trying to tackle you was impressive once he broke out into the open though is when it got a little questionable
3: I think there's an interesting element to Christian Wade where you know the obvious thing and the you know the crutch is to say oh just use the extra practice squad spot on him which I still think is what they'll do but there's also an element here where this guy's not a young man. At, is he now 28? He was 27 when they got him. He might He's now, 28, I believe. I think he, he turned 28 since then. Not young in, in running back years. What, I, what I'm interested in is if they can develop him as a return man because with the ball in his hands, he's quite dangerous. And they've used him as a return man in practice a little bit. Obviously, Andre Roberts is, you know, they're – entrenched guy there but if you can teach this guy how to do that running back's more complicated than returning the football and a lot of what he's doing returning the football he already instinctually knows how to do because of you know his rugby days so I understand the the hoopla
0: it's he's a he's an exciting preseason player he's the type of guy who can get it gets the fans worked up you're, it, he gave you something to watch very late in preseason games, which you never get to do anyway. So he rewards you for sticking through the end of a preseason game and making it feel like you didn't waste uh, your last the the, last, the previous hour and a half or anything after halftime, uh, like you normally do. So yeah, he has been uh, he is he there's been a payoff uh, with uh, with Christian Wade, but I think fans need to check themselves. They need to tap the brakes. He's not going to make the 53-man roster. Uh, The Bills are too talented at running back for that to happen. Now, barring any injuries here over the last couple of preseason games, but to look at your 53-man roster, you have Frank Gore and LaShawn McCoy. Of course, they could trade LaShawn McCoy. That's something that we've talked about for months. Uh, Devin Singletary. Uh, Sonoris Perry is a special teamer. He's probably going to make the team. Uh, who was uh, who else did you have making the team at running back? Patrick Just Demarco or a fullback. Patrick
3: back. Demarco, TJ Yeldon, I had getting cut, but he's another guy that you know they paid decent money to and would probably wouldn't mind keeping if they have the option. It's interesting that I think most people saw that first Christian Wade run and thought fun moment, really cool. Like didn't know who the guy was. Half the people. Eh, but it's just one run. Then he gets a second one. I guess that's the line for a lot of people. Well, he had two. <laughs> no choice. You got to keep this guy. Somebody's going to snatch him, which maybe somebody would. It will
0: come back to haunt the bills right. if Christian Wade hits the streets and gets signed by maybe the – Maybe
3: it would. I don't know. But like, Just
0: watch the Patriots pick him up. The Patriots are going to claim him off waivers. and A team can't stash – a team can't afford to waste – a roster spot on a guy just in case that's what the practice squad's for so christian wade not a special teamer not uh any not a serviceable be. running that's yeah.
3: like where they should not even just returning as a rugby guy as that a, should come naturally
0: come down there and make some tackles uh be able to throw a block whatever it be uh do all the dirty work that's where christian wade exists uh what did you do at quarterback with tyree jackson i cut him oh I think that's expected. I think that that was probably expected anyway. I'm I don't glad think... I
3: don't have to be the actual Turk. I think fewer people would do 53-man roster projections if you had to go around the locker room and say, just so you know, I'm going to cut you tomorrow.
0: I would cut you. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Bills kept uh, only two quarterbacks to start the season last year. Yeah,
3: uh, that's what I did. I went back and looked at the my analysis of their initial 52-man roster just to see how they did it. It was Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman. Brandon Bean has admitted as such, but that was quite careless.
0: It was, but it was because it was Peterman. I think that if it was a, vet, a Matt Barkley and Josh Allen is set, you know who your guy is. Do you need Tyree Jackson on the roster? No. no. Go ahead and wave him. But uh, there was a, well, uh, I always hate when somebody tries to dance around it by you know saying a certain reporter or what have you. Vic Carucci who has been to the fewest practices of anybody uh, on the beat, uh, happened to mention while watching Tyree Jackson play on Friday night, he is not an NFL quarterback and isn't even worth being on the practice squad.
3: Which I disagree.
0: I absolutely disagree. He's a raw talent. He's got crazy athletic ability. He stinks right now. So do a lot of quarterbacks that are on practice squads. You've invested in him time and effort. He knows your offense. He's the perfect candidate for the practice squad. Let Absolutely. him run your scout team. Matt Barkley's not going to run the Scout team. Now no. that's not to say that you could pick up another guy to be your third quarterback, but Matt Barkley's not running the scout team. He's got to take snap at least a handful of snaps during the sixteen game regular season.
3: They signed Tyree Jackson to a decent UDFA deal. You know, they everybody made a big deal out of David Sills, but if you follow the money, Tyree Jackson was the bigger investment. Doesn't mean they have to keep him on the practice squad, but it's almost, you know, Brian Dable brought up an interesting point, which I think is valid and important when you consider Tyree Jackson's game performances. He's Tyree Jackson is getting more reps in games than he is in practice. He's not getting many practice reps anymore because they have to get these other two guys ready for the season, and so Tyree Jackson gets these developmental periods. Or even this has been going back to the beginning of training camp. He doesn't get that much time. But then he gets a lot of time in the games. So, of course, he's going to look like not good. <laughs> you forgot so, you were on the radio. Yeah. We, we,
0: we were driving from Spartanburg to Charlotte there for a second. Um, but, yeah, Tyree Jackson has too much raw talent to not be on somebody's practice squad slash or roster. So I think the only way he's not on the Bills practice squad when the season begins, is if he's claimed off waivers, if another team decides to pick him up, so that means he's going to be in the he's going to be in the NFL. So to make a statement that this guy doesn't belong in the NFL, not an NFL quarterback. Eh.
3: You're yeah, well, he not is. right
0: now technically. Well, yeah, he's on an NFL also, roster right now.
3: But the arm, the way he he can run, uh, I think is interesting. He's not a zero. He he's not uh, you know a schmuck. The guy is you know got some talent that. You know, had some people talking about him. I mean,
0: he's a developmental quarterback. He's a he's the perfect candidate to to be a prod as a project.
3: And he's had some moments in training camp practices that have you know turned some heads. And you know, the fact that he's you know in over his head a little bit in the preseason shouldn't come as a shock. And so
0: playing with other guys who aren't going to make the roster, some with of guys which
3: are really not very good. Like you know, I don't see anybody. It's funny how people just want to bury Tyree Jackson because, you know, he's not playing well in the preseason. But, like, nobody wants to bury David Sills, who's been invisible. You know, the standards seem to be different for different guys. And for whatever reason, at at that position, we're in a rush to get this guy. And, look, you know, some people get touchy about this topic and and whatever else, and I'm not accusing Vic of anything in particular. However, black quarterback – in a rush to get him out of the league, in a rush to declare he's not a, a an NFL quarterback. Partly because of how he plays the game, partly because he needs some development. I don't know what it is, but it seems like
0: he's not the e- he's not the easiest guy to talk to if you want to interview no, but- him. So if you've ever tried to do a story on him, Tyree. maybe Tyree Jackson. Yeah, he's a very he, he doesn't he's not a good talker. No, and that's not I mean, it's and not to be. Uh, he he's a he he doesn't want to be interviewed. There's yeah. a difference between well, that and that. being a, not a good talker Which is talker. Like that. he's like he, he knows how
4: to talk around is he, it's not worth wasting yeah, your time. He,
0: you you can stop him for an interview but he's not going to give you he's not any gonna give you much. it's not going to yeah. be yeah. worth. He's it. Not he gonna, knows
3: how to play that game, yes. which is good on his part, I'm I guess. Say. But you think about the opportunities that have been afforded some quarterbacks in the NFL. Guys that have hung around for years and years. Nathan Peterman's still in an NFL camp. But you're telling me Tyree Jackson d- doesn't deserve more than three weeks before he sub- should be cast away, out of the league. Forget this guy. Don't even put him on – why bother on the practice yeah. squad? Forget this.
0: <laughs> don't, it doesn't even belong on a practice like,
3: squad. I don't know. Come on. L- like Let's pump the brakes on – Now, I would also say that he does need to improve because if he's going to be on your practice squad, you know, you want your receivers – to know what it feels like to have a football hit their hands, and he's only done that what four times <laughs> right. in preseason games out of twenty tries or something. So he's not having an easy go. But why did you sign him to begin with? You know, nothing he's shown he wasn't is g- different than what he no. was before the draft.
0: He wasn't going to compete with Matt Barkley at all. I mean, there was no doubt as to who uh, your there starter. There was some chatter about that though come. when he got
3: uh, yeah. when he got picked. No, no way. Front. Yeah, some there might have been some Ill, chatter, ill-informed yeah. uh, chatter. But there chatter might have been some
0: chatter, but it yeah ignorant chatter. He was going to be the third quarterbacker on the practice squad, most likely on the practice squad. Well, at the
3: time, he was supposed to be to push Derek Anderson, who had not retired. He retired maybe a week or two later. That's right. Uh, right. He thought but no, no, ch- no chance I can compete with this guy. Although I'm out of here,
2: Joe Licata said on this show last week, Tyree Jackson knew Derek Anderson was going to retire.
3: So, One did, of the yeah, so did the he Bills So did the bills. I, I think Derek Anderson was scared of Tyree Jackson. I think that's why he retired.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sticking to That's the story you prefer. You got it. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Tyree Jackson so far, Jonah? As somebody who covered him at UB, um, saw a lot of him there. I think that the
2: mistakes and the poor plays he's been making in the preseason are similar to the mistakes and the poor plays he made at UB. It was just – they're just more frequent. They were kind of rare or, or creeped up in – certain bad games where at UB he'd make a lot of just wow plays and wow throws. And I think Matt's mentioned he's done that a little bit in training camp. Joe mentioned this last week, and, and I think Brian Dable might have brought this up in a press conference. I don't know. He's pressing because he's not getting a lot of reps. Right. Not that he's, And he's used to getting a lot more reps and might feel like he needs to show something on every throw. And that was kind of always Tyree's weakness at UB was that he tried a little too hard to make the big play – and the risky throw when maybe it was wiser to just dump it down or throw it away. And, and I don't wouldn't say he did that all the time. I think he had some great games, and he had some really great stretches during his time at UB. But occasionally he'd throw some passes that would make you scratch your head. Not that it was an inaccurate throw, but it was why did you decide to do that.
3: That's kind of Josh Allen's M.O. too, or at least it was a year ago was, you know, making, trying to do do it all, play hero ball. I know you wrote about it a couple times last year, and that's part of why he ran the ball so well. In a way, Josh Allen and Tyree Jackson have some similarities, and people don't like to hear that based on how Tyree Jackson has looked, but if you bring a guy like that in, you know the the mountain you have to climb. And so a couple weeks in, I don't think you give up on that. I think you say – He's got the perfect guy to learn from and Josh Allen, if Josh Allen can make it work, Tyree Jackson can clearly see a path to success. Uh, you know, and your point's a good one about the fact that he's because he's not getting a lot of reps, those ones seem to count even more. Josh Allen had the same problem last year where you know, before he was getting all the first team reps, he was sitting there saying, all right, now that I'm in for these eight throws, I better make something happen so I get pushed up this depth chart. Whereas, maybe they should, at some point, I'm not. I'm not quite sure how they feel about Tyree Jackson, but they should probably sit him down and just say, "Look, we'll stash you on the practice squad. Like, quit beating that yourself maybe up that, But maybe they are. Yeah, maybe and it's it's have.
0: easier said than done when you get out there on the field and you're know you're on television and, and that's your default, right as Jonas, it's said. like here we go. Like I'm gonna make this happen. I know what they said, but. You know, it's like the boxer who gets in the in the corner and the trainer is saying, "All right, now you need to jab more. You need to get him with your jab. Get him with your jab. You're scoring with the jab, and then go to the body." And he's nodding his head and he's nodding his head. And as soon as that bell rings and he's out there with the other guy, the train whatever the trainer said is gone because he's just acting on like I'm going to knock this dude out. You know, it's like I don't care. Like, yeah, I understand what I'm supposed to do, and but here I am, and everybody's watching, and I got to put on a show. And I think
2: the. Being on the practice squad, if he if that happens to be the case, will be a good situation for Tyree Jackson. Coming in every week, having to learn the other team's offense yeah. to the extent that, that you do, and perform as a different type of quarterback will help his development. He can't go out there week to week and say, I'm just going to throw the ball around like I want to. He has to execute.
0: I'm Tom Brady this week. Yeah,
2: he has to give the Bills defense a I'm Eli acu- Manning an accurate week. look. And I think learning all those different offenses while he's still mastering and learning the Bills offense should really help his development. And I think if if that were to be the case, if he's on the practice squad for this year, the time to really evaluate whether Tyree Jackson's NFL quarterback is next spring and next summer, having all of that work throughout the year, and is he still making these same mistakes? And then you just wonder, are these just instincts that you can't overcome?
3: Now I'll also add that if at the end of the preseason there's a, a cut uh, you know, somebody gets released where you say this guy would be a better option on our practice squad by all means. I mean, I don't think just because you invested time in him, you need to, you know, you didn't invest that much in him. It was but that a
0: usually doesn't happen.
3: Usually it does because not. Because teams, sometimes they, there's, there's a familiarity,
0: there. Brian Dable and, um, I kept wanting to say Derek Anderson, Ken uh, Dorsey, Ken Dorsey. <laughs> um, Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey have been working with this guy, and there's a tendency to say, "All right, we've been, we have invested. Yeah, you're right. One off season, but this is our guy. He's a, further along. We're going to start from scratch with the other guy, who's probably doesn't have the physical abilities that Tyree Jackson has. It's going to be tough. Who else that's going to be available is going to have the raw physical ability that Tyree Jackson has? Almost n- nobody." And somebody who's practice squad eligible, that is. Like maybe somebody who's played in the league for six years or I don't know what. That would be the
3: option. If you say, I want this guy as my third quarterback on the 53, forget the practice squad. We don't need one. But even then, you could keep a fourth arm.
0: Madden ratings are Madden ratings. I mean, we can roll our eyes at that, but there is some belief that there's accuracy in these things. And Tyree Jackson has awesome – Madden ratings in a couple of categories. Things like his running
3: than Daniel Jones overall.
0: I think so. I think that's right. But his he has the he has like the third strongest arm in the NFL behind only Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, according to the Madden ratings. He's one of the fastest running backs in the NFL, Tyree Jackson is. Uh you know, there's there he's no he's a known commodity in terms of some traits. But he's got to be able to put it all together. It's going to be tough for the Bills to find another guy who has just the, um, you know, the untamed ability that a Tyree Jackson
3: has. We I'll could talk tell you about- what at his pro day, to my untrained eye, very untrained eye, I thought he was the second best quarterback there.
0: Jake Dolagala also had a. He's got a tremendous arm. Jake Dolagala is not on Madden this year. They they uh, only had the three Cincinnati quarterbacks. Jake Dolagala didn't make it. But maybe he'll get added if he ends up um, – I doubt it. He's not getting a shot, really. Uh, the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have gone with uh, Driscoll and uh, and not really given Jake Dolagala a chance yet. I'm sure he's going to get to play quite a bit in that fourth preseason game, but uh, that's not going to be enough. I think maybe he's uh, maybe he makes the practice squad there. Uh, he'd be an intriguing uh, candidate. Would the Bills want to have him instead of Tyree Jackson? after we just got done saying that you usually don't do that all right when we come back we have some college tidbits that we need to get to we've gone from former UB quarterback Tyree Jackson to the UB Bulls looking for their next quarterback and they're about to start their season Jonah Bronstein uh has been following them And uh, much, much more on the college scene with Jonah Bronstein when we come back on The Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fans.
1: Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. Sports writer Tim Graham, who interviewed the Duggernaut. This is historic, Tim. Hey,
0: let's not fake a newcomer. A cucumber. Our friend Tim Graham. Hey, Tim. And you, Tim. The Tim Graham Show. Tim Graham, who's been ahead of
1: everyone else. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Some people call me the space cowboy.
0: Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Bobby, you said that the bumps were World Diversity Day, or what the hell was it? World diversity. What is this? Oh, you said... <laughs> no, they're, uh, they're ethnic. Ethnic ethnic, dive. ethnic music. Ethnic. What's this, then? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> there's space involved? <laughs> yeah.
4: Space some, cowboys? You no, know,
0: Yeah, you're not really quite in, in the zone. Aliens. Yeah, exactly. Who knows All what right. they're smoking? Jonah Bronstein, what's going on with UB football? They're about to start a season right up from underneath us. A lot of people focusing on the Bills. They're sleeping on the Bulls.
2: Well, the big deal yesterday was the grand opening of the new field house. The Murchie Family Fieldhouse, which, I, I the number I heard about seven hundred people were there. A lot of campus members, faculty, athletes. It was what's the phrase? Palpable excitement. People were very. You could taste it. Well, I couldn't myself, <laughs> but you could just tell that. You know, this has been a long time in the making. I, I know when I started on this beat, and it was Ward Manuel's first year in two thousand five. He had mentioned. That was priority number one 14 years ago to get an on-campus field house. And I think it was something they knew they needed even before that. I don't know if it was really publicly talked about much before Ward manual came in, but really since they've gone Division One, this has been a need. And it took this long for them to fa- raise the funds and actually put the shovel in the ground and get this thing built, and it's finally here, and there was a lot of celebration and I think maybe relief's not the word. but Was uh, there
0: pomp? There was, there was. Was there circumstance?
2: I'm not sure the difference between pomp and circumstance. I know when you put them together, yes, there was pomp and there was circumstance. Excellent. There was, the band was there, the dancers. It was, it was an event for the UB supporters. And they're very happy that they have this indoor facility now, and it, it opens up different things for them to do practicing with all their different teams, that, especially the spring teams like softball that can't get outside until, you know, June when the season's over, they, they now have an easier way. They practice in the gym, but it's a better situation for them to practice inside in this
0: field house now. Is it too soon then because everybody's excited about football, but I'm guessing that at least it was in the backs of minds or maybe it was asked. Uh, yesterday was a travel day for me, so I didn't catch all the coverage of it. But basketball is the next step, right, is getting the basketball... Uh, program uh, men's and women's a facility even if it's the current alumni arena and giving the students a different facility but something that they can call their own that they don't have to share with the student body and classes and offices and all this other stuff is it now basketball's turn
2: yes in a way the next step is a new on-campus weight room and fitness center and it was Tooney Murchie's daughter, Brittany, Tooney Murchie's the donor that made the large donation that led to this field house being built, and he's really the donor that's made almost every major gift to UB Athletics over the years. She had mentioned, you know, we need support from the UB and the Western New York community to get this built, the factory they call it. Now, that I'm not sure exactly how that would be split up, if this is going to be a big new athletic facility only for student recreation or if it would also be somewhere where the athletes would work out. But either way, I think that leads to opening up more space in Alumni Arena to expand the basketball facilities. But I'm not so sure they're going to ever – I shouldn't say ever, but I don't think they're really going to get this factory built all that soon. It took them 14, 15 years and basically having to go back to Tooney Murchie, who had already donated a lot of money and ask him for more money because they couldn't get it from anybody else. To get this built, now they need that built, and she was kind of implying we need some other people to make these donations. Damn. We, our family, can't fund everything that UB needs, and then after that, it's going to take more money and more commitment to expand the basketball facilities or revamp <sighs> them. So, I, I do think those are the next steps. I'm just not so sure how quickly they're going to
0: get to any of those steps. Jonah, I apologize that we're right up against it. I backed you right in a corner. We're talking about uh, different. Uh things going on in colleges. Uh, What else do you need to unload on us? Well, I thought some big news came out earlier this week,
2: and I don't know if anybody really – it was press release, and I don't know if anybody really picked up on it, but Damon Volleyball, men's volleyball, which is in its second year as a program, was kind of a big deal that they even started a men's volleyball program a year ago at the Division II level, but this is the only – there is no Division I men's volleyball in Western New York, and they're the only Division II. Now, they announced earlier this week that they're going to have – UCLA, 19-time national champion, finished seventh in the country last year. Pepperdine, another strong men's volleyball program, finished third in the country, national semifinals last year, and Harvard, all on Damon's campus in January, playing games against Damon and Harvard. And Pepperdine will have a match against each other at Damon, which for a second year, Division II,
0: it's a bit, that's a showcase. That's a big deal.
2: I, I, you're not seeing UCLA. Pepperdine and Harvard. You might see UB basketball play schools like that, but you don't see them coming here to play on campus, and for Division ones to go to a Division two gym and play that. Now, I do think that's more common that's in pretty, men's volleyball that's because cool. there's only about 30. that's beyond
0: cool. That's like badass.
2: That's, I might go check it out if you're really into men's volleyball. That's I about like as volleyball. big as it gets,
0: right? And that's not Those if are you're good into, if you're into men's volleyball from here. No, it's like if you're in if this if this tournament were happening in Los Angeles, you'd want to go to it. It's not like, hey, check this thing out. Buffalo's got a chance to, you know, see tall ships or the big rubber duck or whatever. Go check out this weird thing we got. No, this is like the top of the top. I mean, there's a
2: possibility that UCLA could be the men's volleyball national champion next year and they could be opening their season in Amherst, New York at Damon (laughs) College. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and and another thing I learned when, when I found out about this is that because there are so few... Division one men's volleyball programs. Division two teams can play in the Division one tournament oh. for the Division one national championship. Now, Damon, being a newer program, I believe is not yet eligible to be one of those at large teams from Division two. But as they build that program,
0: it's a thing that you can recruit to. That,
2: that's something that could happen if they continue to have these teams come in here, and they maybe they go out to UCLA or Pepperdine. That can help them recruit. You know, they're a division two college and, and I don't think Damon's ever gonna move up to Division One or anytime soon, but this volleyball program could possibly be something that's competing with division one programs at some point. Sweet.
0: Good job, Damon. All right, we're right up against it. We gotta go. But that's awesome stuff. That's the type of stuff you can get from Jonah Bronstein every week here on the Tim Graham show. What ethnicity is uh, uh Semi-Sonic? Who's this? Semi-Sonic. Semi-Sonic. Ethnicity. Oh. Yeah, it's um, where it's, it's the ethnicity. ethnicity. World they're Esti- oh. th- whatever they're the Minneapolis. Well, Canadians then. Yeah, No, Minneapolis. Right, Canadians. Yeah. yeah. All right. One um, of our favorite
3: cities. <laughs> well, one of my favorite cities. Ours.
0: <laughs> we're, we're out of time. Thanks to Matt Fairburn from The Athletic, Jonah Bronstein of The Tim Graham Show, Bobby Rosati of Cumulus Incorporated, Check you next week here on the Tim Graham Show, 4 to 6 p.m. Wednesdays on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. To
5: go home, but you can't
4: stay.